You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' shootout win over the Kraken, including the good and bad from a certain star player, plus a continued look at the upcoming NHL trade deadline. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it and a great way to start off the week. A little bit later than usual there, but um, I mean, I don't know if it was planned by, by me and Tyson here, but Maybe we needed an extra 24 hours to shake off a pretty tough loss on Sunday night, but we're not going to get into the Super Bowl because it's good vibes only here. Pretty wild the Jets hadn't been in the shootout until, what is this, game 50-some-odd for them? And lo and behold, undefeated in the shootout as well as the Jets take down the Kraken. You know, you kind of, I, will, we'll, I mean, look, we'll see what the playoff matchups look like here. Winnipeg Seattle might be a hell of a playoff series if these two teams get together. They just play barn burners every time they go toe to toe. But the good guys come out on top, and it's now 2 0 for the Jets coming out of the NHL All Star break. So we'll break down the game against the Seattle Kraken here before we get to trade deadline talk. T minus 17 days away. As I mentioned there, joining us once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, what's going on? Oh, not too much. I don't really know what you're talking about because I kind of stopped watching the game at halftime. So I, I just assume I'm just assuming that the Eagles won. So I, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. Hey, whatever it takes, Tyson. If, it, if, if it's delusion you want, then you go right ahead. Uh, by the way, I, I actually just remembered this. Did you watch everything everywhere all at once yet? Um, <laughs> you're not gonna like this. <laughs> All right, so uh, that is CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, Everybody, he'll be back on Friday's episode if he completes his homework assignment. So, thanks for joining us here, Tice. I'll take it over from here. So, the Winnipeg Jets take down the Seattle Kraken. I'm not joking, tight. Get out of here. <laughs> This is your last chance. I'm giving you one last chance. And instead of, I mean, I can't really kick you off because you kind of like produce and run this. So that might be a a poor decision. But here's what I'm going to do. Every show that you don't watch that movie, 
I am going to unveil an embarrassing fact about you <laughs> to the audience, okay? Okay, deal. I, I last episode I even titled that every everywhere I think it was like oh. everything everywhere every Chevy all at once. <laughs> you you still did it. Such an idiot. Such an idiot. All right. You got two days. Please please just do it. I just, just you have to do it. Just help me out here. Keep my sanity going with little I have left of it. Um either way though, the Jets take down the Kraken 3-2 in the shootout. I don't know. It's it was kind of an odd one. If you look at the numbers overall, the Jets were pretty solid. And I mean the shot clock's certainly in their favor. You know, I haven't taken a look at it yet, but I imagine, you know, analytically they come out of this one pretty solid. And it was a good first period for sure for the Jets, but there there was a lot of I don't know, it was kind of roller coastery for the Jets in this one. Like a lot of ups, but a decent amount of downs too. You know, all in all, I think the club will be decently happy with with the game that they threw out there. Definitely not their their A game, I would say. But you know what? If you take a step back and look at it, you know, Seattle's been a good team all season long. They were able to go toe-to-toe and, you know, maybe to a certain extent impose their will on them a little bit. And a couple of bounces here and there might have been a different story. But I don't know. I, I think I thought the Jets played all right. There were some things that, you know, certainly jumped out on a more individual aspect of the game. But anything jump out to you, Tyson, in, in this one? Because it was, I thought, just a little bit of a, a, an odd one. Yeah, well, for me, this seemed like a typical kind of Rick Bonus style of game where they pull out. It's not pretty necessarily, but they're making, they're doing the right things most of the time. And I think once we get into the playoffs, I think we're really going to see this team get into a lot of games kind of similar to this where, you're not totally dominating the whole game, but you're also not getting completely outplayed for long stretches of time. And I I believe that this Jets team has the ability, and we saw it on a couple plays here, like with the Wheeler goal, all it took was one quick turnover, Ehlers dishes it out, and Wheeler really scores a pretty nice goal. I, I hear on the broadcast they were saying that maybe might have pulled an in-between-the-legs move there, but not not quite. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, to me, I think that this is a typical Rick Bonus kind of game. It's going to be not always it's not always going to be pretty with this Jets team, but the, they managed to find a way to get it done. Yeah, and it was weird too because he obviously wasn't happy with how certain lines looked throughout the game, right? Like he got the line blender out specifically in the third period there to try to, you know, kickstart something offensively. So, you know, even though the shot clock was tilted in their favor, I don't know if anybody was really overly enthused with how the Jets looked out there. But, you know, having said that, a bit of a bad break for the club to end the second period there, then they get a bit of a good break to tie things up in the third. And then from there, you know, I, I, I thought the Jets, you know, slowly took over the game and, and looked like they were the ones that were only going to be the group to pull out two points on the night. What did you make of the the lineup juggling? I And again, it's kind of weird because I thought it was some good and bad. You know, I if, if you want to put Ehlers, Dubois, and Connor together, I'm down for that every day of the week. And I thought Ehlers specifically had a pretty noticeable jump in his game once he got put with those two. Um, you know, I, I I thought Barron was pretty good in the game. I don't think the Shifley line really did a whole lot all night with either Barron or Ehlers beside him outside of that one great move by Nikolai Ehlers on the on the opening goal for the Jets. And then we see Manalainen, you know, get a little more opportunity as well. Obviously, Cole Perfetti gets demoted once again. Not sure how I feel about that one. What did you make of that? Anything 
Anything, I guess, notable in terms of what Bonus might be thinking in terms of why he's juggling these lines and who's going up, who's going down? Well, and and this is really weird, too, because we've seen this before this season even where the lineup changes are made and they're not necessarily the most ideal, but somehow they're able to get the result at the end of the game with the with the lines that they're put together. And I, I agree with you. I thought Morgan Barron had a pretty good game, but I'm just not a big fan of putting him on a line with Shifley and Wheeler at times. I just... I just don't like the fit there. And even I'm kind of done with the mental line and experiment of him getting decent nice time. I to me, even with the accent Janssen Fialbi waving, I I was surprised that he even made it through waivers. Thank goodness that he did, and the Jets get to keep a nice depth valuable depth piece there. But I'm definitely I would would have definitely waved Manalinen over Janssen Fialbi so far this year. I think he just brains more. I think he's like Manalinen's just a very base level player, and that's not necessarily the worst hit in the world. But you do want to get some extra value from your guys in the bottom six, especially come playoff time. But I mean, like like you said too, the Ealers Connor Dubois line is so clearly the Jets' best line that they can put together, and it's definitely one of the best lines in the league. And when they're put together, we see the, the kind of chemistry and the magic that they can produce. Like they were they were having shifts in the Kraken's end for a minute and a half, to close to two minutes. And I to me, I don't know why you're going to stray away from it now. I think just keeping that line together and just having them build some more chemistry. And then once you get into the playoffs, that that line's rolling at a hundred percent. And with the perfetti demotion as well, I just, I, he, that's not his play style. It's just not going to work. Like it's not going to be putting them in the best um, positions to succeed. And, yeah, like, and, and I, I really wonder, it's not a long-term thing with him. Like the kid's going to be, the kid's going to be a star. He's going to be a great player for the Jets for a long time. His future super bright. I really wonder what his role is going to be on this team heading into the playoffs and once round one gets underway. Because it's it's quite obvious to, to everybody that Rick Bonus doesn't really trust him. And who's the first guy that always seems to get demoted? It's, it's Cole Perfetti. Who, once the third period starts to roll around in a tight game, sees themselves take shifts on the fourth line? It's it's number 91. And I, I wonder, I, I really wonder what the outlook is going to be for him the rest of the year. Because I think we would all agree there's not really stylistically a fit for him playing on Adam Lowry's line. Especially if you're going to use that line as a, a quote-unquote checking line, a hard matchup line. And the fourth line doesn't really do him a whole lot of good either because he's playing with guys that, you know, are, aren't processing the game and thinking the game the same way that he's doing. And he's only going to be getting a couple of minutes a night. Like, I, I, I just I wonder what the plan is for him, because if, if he's going to be in the top six, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And I thought he actually played pretty good in this game. I, was you know, I, even, I even made a note of it specifically. I can't remember if it was the first or the second period, but. Perfetti made just a hell of a power move towards the net. That, that was like a Timo Meyer who like Perfetti drove hard into the paint and was able to create a dangerous scoring chance. If he's going to be out there doing that, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm down to give him more ice time. I haven't been the hugest fan of seeing Perfetti immediately get the yank and sit down on the bench. You know, bonus has made mention of, you know, he wants to win board battles late in games and stuff like that, and that's why Perfetti doesn't go out there. Meanwhile, Kyle Connor loses literally every puck battle inside the defensive. So, like, there's just there's things that don't really add up to me there. Um, but I just think this is – I think what we're seeing here is is 
ultimately Rick Bonus's style in terms of coaching with his forward group is just that whether you like it or not, whether you agree or disagree, he doesn't give Cole Perfetti a whole lot of leash. And I, depending on what this team does at the upcoming trade deadline, it might not be fair, but I'm not going to be shocked if we see Cole Perfetti as a fourth line forward for the Jets in the last 10 or 15 games. And then once the playoffs get rolling around, which is a shame because he's been really, really strong all season long, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely can see him kind of taking that Sam Gagne role in the lineup as the season goes on. If some, some moves are made to bolster this forward group. And I mean, I think we're going to talk about it later on in the episode, but I'm, I'm getting a little concerned about this the Jets' outlook so far. Not necessarily the outlook, but what they're planning on doing going into the deadline. But I, I think we'll leave that for later on in the episode. Yeah, it's what we call a tease in the biz, Tice. We'll leave that for a little bit later on. I'll, I'll make note of that. Speaking of myself making notes, that's Perfetti driving to the net. <laughs> it's funny, and I, I wrote it down just because I wanted to see what was going to happen. Um but do you want to know what kind of my big takeaway through 40 minutes was specifically what happened in the last little bit of that second period? Well, I could imagine, but uh, take it away. The notes just simply says PLD should enjoy the bench in the third after another God awful penalty. And then what does he go out there and do scores the tying goal scores, the winning goal in the shootout. And that line was maybe the best line in the third period. I Look, I know he tied the game. I know he scored the winner of the shootout. I still stand by what I said there. These dumbass penalties, God, it's, it's got to stop. Like, at, like what, at what point does this become just too much? I mentioned I composure before. I mentioned composure and, and needing to have a, a, a sense of, you know, level-headedness when you're out there on the ice. But that is just a whole nother level of stupidity. And, and quite frankly, it's... It's selfishness. Like you're just you're not even thinking about the team at that point if if you're Dubois. And I know it's a bad bounce, you know, like hits off two skates and goes in on the penalty kill right after that. But but guess why the Jets are in that situation? Because your head is somewhere out there in Montreal, right? Like you you've got to be way more focused in situations like that. And right now, if you're the Jets, like yeah, you're you know, you're playing for for points, but but realistically, you've got a playoff spot all but wrapped up here. You're you're playing to hit your stride once the postseason gets rolling around here. And seeing just idiocy like that drives me nuts. And if it costs you a point or two against Seattle in the middle of February, then to hell with it. You just like at some point you gotta lay down the law here with this kid and say you can't you can't do just pure garbage like that. It it drives me nuts. And I can't imagine I can't imagine what Rick Bonus is trying to drill into this kid's head because I hate to say it, but you just get the sense it's going to cost this team come playoff time. They'll take a stupid penalty like that for no reason whatsoever. And it might cost them a game. It might cost them a series even if we continue to see this. And, and to me, that would have been a perfect time to nip it in the bud. No, you're, you're not playing. Enjoy the bench for the next. I, I would have done the whole period, but enjoy the bench for the next 10 minutes at least if you're going to play like that. Yeah, and to be honest, it feels like they're happening more and more frequently too. Like just a, a couple of games ago, I mean, over the All Star break, it seems like a long time ago, but there was the Philly game too, where it takes a really stupid penalty and the Flyers end up getting a goal off of that power play. And Seattle today, and you know that these teams coming into the playoffs too, they know that he's got kind of a short fuse, 
and those guys are going to go and push his buttons and you need to know that he's going to be composed in those playoff series and not not be reactionary and not take those stupid penalties but it seems like that's something that's a part of his game and he just really needs to dial it in. These need to stop immediately because they are going to hurt the Jets. Like it's not, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when with these penalties. Because, especially in a long playoff series where tempers boil up throughout the series, and players get noticed guys' tendencies and they know that they can get under a guy's skin. I mean, this is we know it from a couple of years ago again in the Flyers series against the Penguins in 2012. Sean Couturier <laughs> was going at Malkin the whole series, and Malkin couldn't keep his cool, and it. It cost the Penguins numerous goals, and I can see it that something it cost. It cost in the series, Tyson. Right, yeah. like they, they, yeah. they, that whole team. I mean, the whole team couldn't keep their composure there. But Malkin specifically, right. like the Penguins were a mess for a couple of years after that. Right, like you're. That's a, it's a, it's a perfect point to make. If we see it, you're telling me that a coaching staff, that a video coach on an opposing team, isn't going to you know throw that out there. That hey, number eighty. To give him a whack or two here or there, we're we're probably going to go on the power play a couple of extra times during this series. So it's 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 just it's got to stop. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. You got to do something though at this point. And it doesn't seem like it takes much either. Like that's the, that's the really concerning thing is that it doesn't seem like it takes that much. So he, he's got to rein in income playoff time, and we'll see. Honestly, like that's all that's all we can do right now is we'll see what happens. Yep. Well, I mean, if you're going to take an awful penalty. Might as well go ahead and score the tying goal and end it in the shootout, right? Just, just when I think you couldn't get any dumber, you go ahead and do something like that and totally redeem yourself, PLD. He, he took the he took the penalty against Vince Dunn, and then Vince Dunn is the D man that ends up the puck goes off and back into the back of the net. So it's funny how that works too. That's it's that's that's chess, not checkers by, by Dubois <laughs> there. So maybe I take all of that back there. Uh, there's a few other things I want to touch on for the game against the Kraken here, and then we'll uh, switch things over to the trade deadline. A few things to talk about there. Players getting benched all over the NHL for trade reasons, which I think is awesome for whatever for whatever reason, but we'll get to all that in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where the action never ends, even though the NFL season has come to an end, sadly. XFL but- next weekend. XFL next weekend. (laughs) There you go. Football's keeping it coming with the XFL. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to 1K. That's right. Ton of money for you up for grabs if you want to win some dough with our friends over at DraftKings. Plus, same game parlays, spreads, money lines. Your betting options are endless. We got some interesting matchups. I guess in all sports this week, specifically in the NHL, I'll tell you what, I don't know why, but anytime you see the league worst team heading to Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs, I might throw a little bit on Chicago tomorrow night. It doesn't make sense, but the Leafs find a way to lose games like that. So you want to have some fun a bit against Toronto, which is always fun to do. Why don't you hit that one up and then toss it a little with a parlay to get yourself some extra dough, especially if you might have dropped it on some donuts and whatever else you got your significant other during Valentine's Day. Make a little bit of that back quickly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. 
see show notes for more details. So just one other note or two that I want to mention from the game against Seattle before we shift gears to a couple of big, big, big time moves that might be made in the NHL and what it might mean for the Winnipeg Jets. Josh Morrissey, as as your man over there at CJ, my, my former man and your man right now at CJOB, as Jim Toth would say, the winter of Josh Morrissey continues. <laughs> it's, it's wild to me, not the season that he's having, but just that this is the stat. But Josh Morrissey is now tied with Big Buff for the most points in a season by a Winnipeg Jets defender. And we've got well over 20 games to go for Jomo. So he's going to just utterly blow past that. But more wild to me that Buff never got over 60. Like, yeah, really? he, must, he must not have played enough. Like there's a couple of seasons where he just kind of missed a couple games here and there. But man, like you'd think with how dominant he was that he would have gotten over 60 once. I think he had 56 in the playoff run to the conference <laughs> final. <laughs> Never mind 56 in the rate. It's just it's it's crazy because the season Morrissey's having is is utterly insane. But Big Buff just had so many memorable moments, and he was so dominant when he wanted to be that it just I don't know. It it feels like it felt like a much higher mountain for for Morrissey to climb than oh I just got slightly over the halfway point and. Oh hey, big buff. See you later. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk again once the season is done. By the way, did you see that picture of Buff skating out there? I in, did. In, yeah, yeah. He looked. He looked. He kind of looked like he could play. <laughs> he looked pretty good. I I was talking with some buddies over the weekend, and they were wondering how uh, how the big buff fitness regimen might be now that he's not playing every single night. Tell you what, doesn't sound like Chickren's coming here. Eric Carlson might not work, but maybe we put Big Buff on the third pair for a while, and then after a month, we toss him out there. We go Buff on one pair, Morrissey on another. So maybe that's the trade deadline addition we should be talking about is, can the Jets coax Dustin Bufflin out of retirement (laughs) on a one-year 900K deal and have him pull off one of the greatest comeback stories in sports history. Maybe that's the move we should be talking about instead of Chikrit and Carlson and Gavrikov and whoever else out there. Um, but great to see Josh Morrissey once again get back on the score sheet there. And you wonder what the uh, what the eventual season, end of season tally is going to be for him. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you willing to go over a point a game for Morrissey by the end of the year? Um... I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be close. I'll say I, I I'm gonna go just under, maybe just 78, 79. Okay, the coward's prediction just under there. <laughs> I'm gonna say he keeps this. I, I he's just I I don't know. I don't think there's anything that's gonna stop him here. I mean he's just he's he's on another planet right now. Fifty five and fifty three right now. I mean the shooting percentage isn't all that outlandish. If the power play starts to really get going, then then this isn't going to be much of a conversation at all. But man, oh man, I, I yeah, I, I, hey, either way, seventy eight points, eighty four point, whatever it ends up being, uh, it's just a special, special season that we're seeing out of Morrissey right now. And again, the fact that he's going to blow by Dustin Bufflin blows my mind. Um, and I think it kind of underlines just how dominant he's been on the back end for Winnipeg so far this season. All right, that's enough of the Kraken. 
I had some Kraken the other weekend, by the way, coffee flavored Kraken. It was it was pretty good. It's yeah, it's pretty good. If you like coffee, give it a shot. Um, speaking of shots, are the Winnipeg Jets going to take a big one in 17 days time, or maybe sometime sooner? Clock's ticking. Players are being benched. There's a lot going on right now around the trade deadline. James Duffy might have a tough one on the actual deadline day by the sounds of things. But um, it, it might be, let's get aggressive quickly here and make a move before somebody else does. Um, now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Tyson, you something about the outlook of the Jets season. What, what were you getting at there? With all the rumors that we've been hearing lately, it's kind of concerning me just how the Jets from looking at it from the outside, it seems like there's sort of a reluctancy almost to make a big move. Like it seems like they're not really involved in Chikrin. We heard a little bit of rumblings of Timo Meyer, but that doesn't sound like it's going to work. Like it's, it seems like the devils are the team to beat in that sweepstakes. And I don't really see it going any other way. They have the best trade package that they can put together out of any team. So I think Timo Meyer going to Jersey is all but, all but done. And it seems like Chikrin's going to either Los Angeles or Boston one of those two teams and then those are two of the biggest trade targets and now all of a sudden you're kind of looking at the guys who are available there's not too many clear-cut fits for the Jets team right now I, I don't know like it, I feel like you'd be doing a disservice to your fan base with how the season's been going the season you had last year all the t- inside turmoil all the out all the noise that was coming out and for the season to be going this way I feel like the Jets should be rewarding this team and this fan base for the season that they're having. And I think going out and just adding a couple few depth pieces isn't doing your team any justice. I yeah. think they, they proven. Oh, I sorry. Do get what you're, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying there. Like there is almost, it's like a level of, of terror almost in the sense of, Oh, there's not that many high end pieces left. And once a couple go, that's like, Oh, you don't want to give up like a second round pick for somebody that's, you know, going to play 10 minutes on your third line. Like there, there's a level of desperation almost that, and Hey, let's press the urgency button a bit and get this thing in high gear. I, I like, I, I do get that there, there are few high end assets remaining out there. What I would say to that though, Tice is a lot of what you're talking about is in the rental market. I do think there's some names out there, some big names, that that can be acquired that might have some term on deals that the Winnipeg Jets can go after and and bring in and there's nothing wrong with that to, to me that's you know Kyle Dubas has said that he's not giving up a first rounder for a rental and everyone lost their minds but he's like well I, I didn't say I wouldn't give up my first rounder like to, to, that might be the way to do business nowadays in the NHL is at the deadline like you know there, there's very very few players worth that amount for two to three months time but if you can get somebody for for two years, then there's a lot of value in that. So I I think there is a level of fear that the Jets might strike out and miss on the Myers and the Chikrins and, and guys like that. And I, hey, I'm with you where I think Chikrin is a big time miss for the Jets if they don't. It, it might be too late at this point anyways. I think it's a big time miss if, if he heads to L.A. or Boston. But. I would also say nobody saw Paul Stasny coming to Winnipeg in 2018. I don't think anybody had Kevin Hayes then going to Winnipeg right after that. The Jets, you know, throughout their history under Chevy, anytime he's made a big trade, nobody's really predicted it. 
Like maybe the closest would be the line A to Columbus for Dubois. But even then that was kind of like, eh, like it might happen. That might be a team that works. Chevy does a really good job at, at keeping a cloak of secrecy over everything here. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to worry about where things are at leading into the deadline. I'll save the judgment for once everything officially does happen. And if the team then just makes depth ads and tinkers around the edge, it's that, that isn't going to be good enough. I think that is a waste of a, of what looks to be a potentially special season here that there needs to be some, some big swings taken. I feel, I still feel confident Chevy's going to go out there and do it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose my mind just yet. Cause there's still there. Like it's, it's, Time to maybe make a move, but there still is also over two weeks before the deadline hits. Let's just go hypothetical here. Let's say, like, let's say the Jets make a couple moves. They get a out of depth forward and out of depth defenseman. That's that's it. Jets go out and go into the playoffs, and they get go out in the first round with a disappointing showing. How hot do you think Chevy Seat gets if that's what happens? I I don't think it's hot at all. I just think it's a massive waste. I, like I don't think Chevy's job is up for. I don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say anything like that. It's just like, what are we doing here, <laughs> right? Like, this is you. You built this team. Everything's going great. The coaching, like everything that you hoped would go perfectly, has gone perfectly essentially so far, right? So you'd just be wasting an opportunity when you don't know how many more of these you might have with how many contracts are and and futures are up in the air in the next year or two. So. I, I I wouldn't say anything like that, but it's just like do something, <laughs> get 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 some guys to come in here and make a difference and help this team out, and especially it would be a waste with how awful the West is this year. Real like really, the, even the 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 top of the barrel, you know Dallas. We'll see what happens with Colorado. Although I would imagine once the playoffs roll around, they'll be a different beast. But like Colorado is vulnerable right now. But you're talking about Dallas, Edmonton, good teams, but so beatable, right? Like, yeah. I, there's just there's no reason the Jets can't go toe to toe with either the Dallas Stars or the Edmonton Oilers. Colorado, we'll wait and see what happens there. But like outside of the Avs, every other team in the West is extremely beatable. Yeah, and that, but that's also that's sort of why I'm. I'm kind of getting that with the with the with the hot seat on Chevy's. I think that this is such a huge opportunity and kind of just blowing it and kind of playing the safe card and hoping things go well again the next season. I think that's that's foolish and I think that's very that's that's you having a a sort of comfort there where you're okay with not totally pushing all the chips in. And I think that's something to keep an eye on and I do think that that's I I think it could be a problem. Well, interesting now that we're talking about, you know, finding a way no matter what to get somebody to come in here. Uh, did you take by 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 chance take a look at Frank Saravalli's latest article for the Daily Faceoff? A a, a Valentine's themed article about playing matchmaker for certain teams at the upcoming trade deadline? I did not, unfortunately. Well, that's okay because I did. And he mentioned a name for the Winnipeg Jets, somebody that I said a little while ago that I thought would be a good fit. You know, maybe somebody that doesn't break the bank, but you can go out there, bring him up front, and he becomes a bit of an impactful forward for you. And that was Ivan Barbashev from the St. Louis Blues. 
So before I unveil Frank's proposed trade, if the St. Louis Blues came calling Tice, what do you think your best offer is for Ivan Barbashev? I'd go conditional first, depending on how you finish in the playoffs. And I think that's so pretty like cool. like a like a second round pick that you know if they go to the West Final it's a first or something something like that right yeah okay uh, but that that that's as far as you're willing to go like tinker here and there add yeah. minor like just minor pieces so we'll we'll call that a second round pick essentially you know with some attachments thrown in there and should mention Barbashev has 24 points in 52 games this year so essentially half a point per game the year prior was a big breakout for Barbashev 60 points in 81 games now Frank meanwhile has a bit of a different proposal than what you threw out there Tice how would you feel if the Jets gave up a second round pick Mason Appleton and Billy Hanela for Ivan Barbashev. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm good on that. <laughs> I'm yeah, that, good. That I don't I don't watch a lot of America's Got Talent, but that's where you hit you hit the buzzer, right? <laughs> X. <laughs> what in the world is he thinking? <laughs> that's I don't. I, I Frank's a beauty. I have you know met him a bunch of times. That is outlandish. I now interestingly. There is some talk out there, or at the very least, Doug Armstrong apparently is asking for a first for Barbashev, which I think is crazy talk. I, I To me, a second is kind of the, like, that's, look, we, we'll give up a second, but I, we're not going anything more than that. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I mean, he's a, he, he's a good player. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just for a rental, like for, for a second, third line forward, you're going to give up a first round pick? For a rental with no guarantee of going deep, there, there's no chance of that. Uh, it, it, it is interesting, you know, if the Jets are interested in Barbashev, they don't have their second-round pick in this year's draft. They do have a second-rounder in 2024. So you do wonder how willing Chevy might be in terms of giving up a second-round pick for just a rental piece like that. Or, you know, like, do you hold on to it? That That's kind of an interesting discussion there, but... I just thought I'd mention it because I I'm just blown away. Like I, 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 I he's a better player than Mason Appleton, but there was a part of me that was like, would you do Appleton for Barbashev for just salary right? Like and, and team control and things like that. But to throw all three of those pieces into one trade, there I just that 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 can't happen. I don't even like that. That might be an acceptable Ryan O'Reilly trade, not yeah. not for for Ivan Barbashev. Do you, do you think that? Maybe there's a sense around the league that Billy Hanola's value is kind of starting to dip a little bit. I think I think you're bait on. Yeah, I. I mean, there there might be a team or two out there that is bullish on him, but if you're going to label somebody a top prospect in an organization, I, I don't think Billy Hanola is that guy anymore. And I like, I mean, defenseman wise. Let, let's push Sandberg out of it because I, I really don't think he's going anywhere. I think you can make the case that Hanel is probably still the best defensive prospect in the organization right now, but you, would you have Lucius ahead of him? Maybe slash probably. McGrordy? Yeah. Probably. Lambert? Probably. Like, that's three already, right? Like, he's he's not a top prospect anymore. So, yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. 
like he's not going to be the centerpiece of a trade, but if you're going big for for a defenseman out there, like is a first Vili Hanala and then another piece going to be enough to get it done? Maybe, maybe not. Whereas opposed to a year ago, you would have said for, for sure that would be enough to get it done. Yeah, I mean, and we, talk, we talked about this ad nauseum at the beginning of the season and throughout the season even. This is what we said. <laughs> I mean... Not to, not to toot our own horns, but you wait, you wait, you shoestring them, you yo-yo them, whatever you want, whatever string you want to use to put them up and down the minors and then in the NHL. It's just not good for them, and it's not good for the team, too. It's not, it's not good for anyone in this situation, and now we're starting to see the effects that it's taking on the Jets' on the jet's ability to get any kind of value. I, mean, I'll still, I still think they'll get value for Hinola, but I also think that... It, you know, for a guy that was so highly touted just a couple of years ago and even a year ago, I think it's a massive, massive, just terrible asset management. Like, I'd... yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to argue against that there, right? And it's, I mean, at the same time too, it's it's that fine balancing act that I think organizations, I don't want to say have to get better at, but it's it's where you can kind of make some hay in terms of giving up on a guy early or trying to hold on to him to, to coax more out of him. I mean, Tage Thompson might be a pretty damn good example of that, but that's maybe the exception as opposed to the rule, right? But I I would probably agree with that. If, if the Jets thought, you know, a little over a year ago that he wasn't one of their eight, nine best defensemen, that might have been an early warning sign that if he's not going to be that, some other team might think he can be one of their six, five, four best defensemen, right? So... We'll see what happens here, uh, but I, I would I would agree with your your overall sentiment there that you know that that trade the Barbashov trade is is crazy. I think a second in Halo would be a disaster, but you know I I, I wonder just even if you offered up Billy Hanala to a team, how high of a draft pick you would ultimately get back. Yeah, and is his contract up at the end of the season? Will he'll still like his be his ELC? Yeah. Cap friendly we go, just so we can double check that. <laughs> thank, thank God for cap friendly. They really are the best. Um, Billy Hanela's. It, it will be next year. He he'll be okay. an RFA an RFA at the end of twenty twenty four. Well, that's yeah, because after this season, like I'm, I'd be concerned about him saying, "Hey, if you're not going to get rid of me, I'm, I'll just wait out this contract and I'll head over to Europe for a year." Kind of like what happened with Veselin, and like it's. It's just very worrying. Yes. Honka, Honka was kind of the same in Dallas, right? Similar situation there that didn't work out for anybody. So, yeah, maybe, hey, maybe this is the deadline, right? Like, just cut ties now. Whatever value you can get, you get. And you kind of go away from here, especially because the Jets, as it, it's situated right now, I mean, Logan Stanley's a good seventh defenseman. And, and Kappa Bianco's been half decent this year. That's eight right there. You know, you've, you've got some depth on the blue line. Yeah, and that's what the smart teams do is that they know when to cut bait with an asset that's values dwindling. And it's I think it's just time before you're too far gone and it's getting rid of them for late round picks instead of early round picks. Yeah, I mean, there's, hey, this whole trade deadline has so much intrigue on, on so many levels. I mean, for most of the NHL, of course, but but definitely for the Winnipeg Jets here. That's just... A, it's another layer to the onion on what Kevin Shiveldayoff's going to have to do, what he's got up his sleeve to make some moves and help this team out 
after last night's win against the Seattle Kraken, the Winnipeg Jets, 34-19-1 on the season. That's right up there with the Dallas Stars, just two points back with the game in hand. They're going toe-to-toe with them for tops in the West. So, yeah, plenty to talk about and plenty to get ready for, especially with that deadline just about two weeks away. But we got time to talk about that, so let's call it an episode right then and there. Great spot to leave it at. Thank you guys once again so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it to close out the week Friday afternoon, Friday morning, I guess, with just a single game to break down for the Jets. That'll be a road trip. They head out east, starting off with a matchup against two points. Oh, sorry, the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's who the Jets actually uh, go up against there. So hopefully you just take care of business. Three straight dubs after the break. Then things will get a little bit tougher with the Devils and the Rangers on tap. Should be a couple of beauties after that dud in Columbus that we'll get through. And then whatever else trade talk that happens in the next couple of days, we could see some big-time moves take place. We'll see if the Winnipeg Jets have a role in any of that. Until then, though... Thank you guys once again for tuning in. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, stopping by once again. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and have a good time, everybody. Peace.